0: Thank you again to the choir. Thank you, Brother Dave, for leading us in prayer. I'll just say now, maybe give some more announcements at the end, but we will resume Wednesday nights next week. Please be aware of that. Mention to the, uh, the members you might use this week as an opportunity not only to continue to worship in light of the resurrection, but maybe as you have opportunity to show hospitality. Um, that could be just one suggestion as we resume Wednesday nights next week. Page 306 in the hymnal. We will not read all of this. I'll just have you read once. That'll be the first bold paragraph. And then I'll conclude verse 13. And if you start reading in verse 14, you might be one of the only ones. So just don't do that. Um, Because we'll finish before we get to the second bold print. Let's really take in what we read here on Resurrection Sunday 2023. H 306, which is John chapter 20, the whole thing is verses 1 through 23, but we'll begin at verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. There in verse 3. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stopped and stooping, not stopping, stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Now let me read these three verses, and then we'll... That'll be it for this reading. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Thank you. Well, again, let me ask you to turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to John chapter 21. I want to speak to you this morning. You could use as the title this. So what happens after Easter? No, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much. We do want to focus on today. But the title, nevertheless, will be, So, What Happens After Easter? Or you could say this, What Happened After the Resurrection? What Happened After the Resurrection? And to find out from Scripture, which is how we will best apply practically to our lives by looking at Scripture primarily We'll look at John chapter 21. John's the fourth book of the New Testament. So the New Testament begins with Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke. John will be in the last chapter. And I encourage you to listen carefully to the word of God today. We'll be in the last chapter of the gospel of John chapter 21. Before we do that, let's pray together. Would you bow with me? Let's pray. Lord, help us this morning. We are weak. Come in your strength. Help us not to be so foolish, uh, especially as believers this morning, to think that we could never fall, even in a serious way. Help us also to see your restoring grace. Please help us to see that the same is true today that was true for the, for the early apostles, for the first band of followers, that for them, the resurrection really changed everything. Lord, may we see that that's true today. May it be true in our lives. Lord, please help us open our eyes, as David says, to behold wonderful things from your law. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to look at our specific text this morning, and that can be found beginning in verse 15. Our specific text, beginning in verse 15 of John chapter 21, says this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, that's Simon saying to Jesus, he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. John twenty-one sixteen. he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And John writes that Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, that's Peter, said to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You know, friends, and you do know this, I think, but I want to remind you that comparison will kill you. Comparison will kill you. As believers on this Easter Sunday, uh, 2023, we must commit to following the Lord Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, regardless of what it means for us. As believers on this Easter Sunday, 2023, by grace... By grace, we must answer the call. And if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, we're glad that you're here. And I would say in many ways the same thing to you. We must all, we must all by grace and by grace alone answer the call to follow Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, regardless of what it will mean to us. And for some people around the world, it's it's an everyday thing of will it mean my life? What we call the persecuted church or sometimes the suffering church. For some people in our state and in our nation, it will mean martyrdom. It will mean the cost of our lives. We cannot compare ourselves especially as Christians, with other believers. This is important. Jesus says to you, and Jesus says to me, you follow me. If he says to one Christian, if he says to one Christian, you are going to, to remain on this earth, you're going to live until I return And if he says to another Christian, you are going to suffer greatly and yes, even painfully for my sake before I return. Well then, so be it. Let us stop comparing ourselves to other believers. Resolve by grace to follow the risen Lord. Many of you have heard of uh, the last days of Simon Peter, of the Apostle Peter. No doubt many of you have heard the story. Let me just remind you, Simon Peter, Saint Peter is believed to have died as a martyr for his faith. His death is described as having occurred in Rome during the reign of the Emperor Nero around 64 or 65. And according to tradition, because we're not totally sure, right? According to tradition, St. Peter was crucified upside down. Why? Again, we don't know this for sure, but perhaps you've heard this. According to tradition, St. Peter was crucified upside down because he apparently felt unworthy to die in precisely the same manner as his Lord. A tradition tells us that although he did die like his Lord, by crucifixion, with his arms spread out, that perhaps it's true that he chose to die via crucifixion upside down. Well, I want us to look this morning, first of all, first thing, I want us to look at the answer to the question of the title this morning. So what happens after Easter? So the first thing that we notice, number one, again, look with me at our text uh, this is John chapter twenty one, beginning at verse fifteen. Though so we won't apologize for just looking at it again, even though we just did, in answer to the question, what happened after the resurrection? There's many things that happened after the resurrection, many appearances. This is one specific example, among others, of what happened after the first Easter. Look at it again. John twenty one, fifteen. what happened after the resurrection? What happens after Easter? This, among many other examples, this is one example, and that's, that's point number one. I just want to simply establish that. So moving on pretty quickly here, we'll come back to this, moving on right on to point number two. And point number two is that we would do well to pay attention to the resurrection itself. Heading number two is the resurrection, the resurrection itself. Now we've already noticed this in what we read together in the what's called the responsive reading that we did from John chapter 20. So even though we're thinking about what happened after the resurrection, we want to, we want to pause at least for a couple of minutes and think about the resurrection itself. We've already noticed it in John chapter 20, just of course, obviously one chapter previous to this one. But a great place that we find the resurrection, and you don't have to turn there, but please mark this, especially if you weren't aware of this passage, a great place is in 1 Corinthians 15. Let me read it to you for a moment. Again, just listen, mark it. There's there's 58 verses in 1 Corinthians 15. It is wonderful, and it's all about the resurrection. Let me just read a few verses. Paul says this, now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Now, listen, please hear the gospel this morning. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. If you're listening carefully, You're hearing a repetition. Uh, In verse 5, he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12. Verse 6, he appeared to more than 500 brothers. Uh, Don't make it complicated. This is what we're thinking about this morning. What happens after the resurrection? Well, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he appeared, he appeared, he appeared. Verse 7, he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Would you just mark that in your mind? 1 Corinthians 15, we see clearly the gospel and the resurrection is a critical part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friend, there is no good news. There's no good news apart from the historical, which is to say truthful, literal, bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul spends several verses saying As part of his unfolding of the gospel, he appeared to this person and he appeared to these people and he appeared to some 500 people and he appeared to them. And as we see today, he appears to the disciples and he appears to Peter. He appeared. He appeared. A little bit of history. General Wellington commanded the victorious forces at the great battle of Waterloo that effectively ended the Napoleonic Wars. The story has been told that when the battle was over, listen, Wellington sent the great news of his victory to England. A series of stations, one within sight of the next, had been established to send code messages between England and the continent. The message to be sent was this, Wellington defeated Napoleon at Waterloo. That's the message that was supposed to be sent. Wellington defeated Napoleon at Waterloo. Meanwhile, just like at the Masters Golf Tournament this weekend and all over Goldsboro yesterday. Praise the Lord for this beautiful day. Meanwhile, a fog set in and interrupted the message sending. As a result, people only saw news of Wellington defeated. Later, the fog cleared and the full message continued, which was quite different from the outcome that the people originally thought had happened. And even so, we gathered here on Friday making sure to remember we gather in light of Sunday, that he is risen and that he is risen indeed. We isolate Friday in and of itself, which we don't do, but if we isolated Friday, Good Friday, well, then Jesus is dead and buried in a borrowed tomb. And 1 Corinthians 15 makes plain, why don't we eat, drink, and be merry? Because there is no hope. But friends, there is hope. There's hope for you today. For everyone who will repent and believe, salvation is accomplished. It is Good Friday. It's Good Friday indeed because to tell us, die, it is finished. There's nothing that you need to do. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing you can do to add to the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is Good Friday because of Resurrection Sunday. Even as that Hundreds of years ago, the original message was obscured because of the fog. They finally got it, and it was finally cleared up for them. Wellington defeated Napoleon at Waterloo. Not Wellington defeated. Not Christ defeated. Not some humongous cement truck. Not to be crude or anything, but some people have talked about it like this, that that the Lord Jesus Christ was a victim of history. He was a victim of his own well wishes to have a to establish his own kingdom, but then the, the course of history just rolls over him and, and crushes him and he's, an, he's a helpless victim. But he's not. He said he willingly laid down his life and he is able to take it up again. He is able to take it up again. I lay it down of my own accord and I am able to take it up again. Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead by the power of God the Father. Christ the Lord is risen today. We see that in First Corinthians 15. We saw it earlier in John chapter 20, but would you zoom in with me now? Would you zoom in with me now? Number one. Number one was John 21, 15 through 17. What happens after Easter? That was number one. Now listen to me, dear friends. Number two was the resurrection itself. Number three, basically just going back to number one, is Jesus restores Peter. Now get this. Jesus restores Peter, or if I could expand upon that, the risen Lord Jesus graciously. And in a way that if we get it, we say, wow. Graciously restores Peter. Who among us this morning You are a follower of Christ. Are you? Are you? Who among us as a Christian can say, I will never fall. I would never fall in a a really serious way. Who among us has that that type of, really at the end of the day, that type of pride to say, it it, it wouldn't be me. Many of us, Peter was one. Look at verse one of John chapter 21. Look at verse one. John chapter 21, verse 1. Please notice this story. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. Remember 1 Corinthians 15. He appeared, he appeared, he appeared by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, John 21, 2, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them in verse 5, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it. Remember, these are professional fishermen. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish we had breakfast and coffee this morning. What we didn't ha- did not have was the risen Lord Jesus making a breakfast. Jesus said to them in verse 10, "'Bring some of the fish that you have just caught.' So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, "'Come and have breakfast.' Now none of the disciples dared ask him, "'Who are you?' They knew it was the Lord." Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. I want us to think about this. The risen Lord Jesus graciously restores Peter. That's what 15 through 17 is all about. This is a most wonderful passage even for us today, especially for us. The risen Lord Jesus in 15 through 17 graciously restores Peter. Look at it again. We've got the context now. Jesus is serving them breakfast on the beach with a charcoal fire. There was 153 fish. They were professional fishermen, but Jesus is the one who granted them the catch. And so we see that when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, why him? Why is he singling him out? What is this? This is the restoration of Simon Peter. This is the message today that Jesus saves sinners. Sinners Jesus will receive. Now just notice in verses 15 through 17, just, just really look at the text. And I want to show you that there's, there's four pairs of synonyms. What do I mean? When I say there's four pairs of synonyms, just, just get the text. That's the most important thing in the world is the text of scripture. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. Look at it. Listen. There's four pairs of synonyms. First of all, Jesus says to him, do you love me more than these? And we don't see it necessarily in English, but the word love is sometimes a different word, okay? He says it over and over again. Do you love me more than these? Peter says, yes, I love you. The word love is not always the same love word. Okay, Peter says over and over again, you know that I love you. The word know is the same in English, it's not always the same. That's the second pair. Okay, then Jesus says over and over, what does he say? Feed my lambs. But he doesn't always say lambs. He says lambs and he says sheep. That's a third pair of synonyms. And he doesn't always say feed my lambs. He says feed my lambs or he might say tend my sheep. And don't answer this because it's, it's a leading question that you probably don't want to answer. But the question is this. As we see these four pair of synonyms and as we realize, maybe you knew this, in this famous wonderful passage, maybe you already knew this that, that the word for love is not always the same. And clearly the word for feed or tend or lambs or sheep is not always the same. Even the word no, and so clearly that difference is is pregnant with meaning, right? Clearly the nuance, clearly, because he's using these different words like you know, Philadelphia, the word for brotherly love, and uh Agape, the word for the true deepest love. Clearly, there's some nuance of meaning there, right? Actually, probably not. Actually, probably not. Because John is just using this as a, in some ways, as a stylistic device. He's done this before. This is not totally uncommon in the Bible. He's using different words if you study the original and do all that. Yes, he is. But Unlike what we've heard many times, perhaps, it's probably just different words that mean the same thing. What am I saying? So when he says, do you love me, Peter? He means, do you love me, Peter? And when Peter says, Lord, I love you, he means, Lord, I love you. And when he says, feed my sheep, or when he says, tend my lambs, what he means actually is, if you spend 40 hours studying it, is he means, feed my sheep, Peter. And what Peter means when he says, Lord, you know that I love you, Lord, you know that I love you. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. What he means is, Lord, you know that I love you. I'm not trying to be funny, but just to say, don't make too much out of this. The message is plain. The message for us is plain. Oh, oh, far be it from us. Far be it from us. Even if God has granted to us as believers to have sweet communion and fellowship with him, to be, in other words, to be in a good place. I'm in a good place in my Christian life. I'm walking with the Lord. Well, that's great. Far be it from us to ever say we that I could not fall. No, we see here what? We see the risen Lord Jesus graciously restore Peter. And we will not understand this unless we see John chapter 18. Come on, help me out. John chapter 18, verse 15. John 18, 15. John, verse 15 of chapter 18, Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. John eighteen sixteen. so the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's Disciples are you? And he, that's Peter, said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. Verse 25 John 18, 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, remember that from Friday night, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once, a rooster crowed make note of the charcoal fire it's almost like this whole thing is planned make note if nothing else dear friends make note if nothing else of the threefold denial of peter how many times did he deny him three and as we flip back to 21 we stop at 20 as we flip back to 21, we stop at 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark, and I'm just simply pointing out that there's something that happens in between 18 and 21. Listen to me. There's something that happens in between the time that Peter denies the Lord three times, and Jesus what? Jesus restores him intentionally, graciously, lovingly, kindly, restores him and commissions him three times and the thing that comes in between that because the resurrection changes everything as dave prayed the resurrection changes everything is john chapter 20 and now keeping in mind john chapter 20 now as we're back in john 21 before we close listen to me in john 21 15 through 17 we see it maybe through fresh eyes perhaps we see it through fresh eyes and we see the risen Lord Jesus graciously restoring one of his own who had said to Jesus hey, you know I don't care what these other guys do man, I'm with you I'm with you dear friend, count the cost following Jesus Jesus does not want any followers who do not first count the cost he wants you to be his follower this morning through repentance of your sin and through faith in him because he shed his blood on the cross and died for sinners as our substitute he rose from the dead Peter had said Peter had said, in essence, Peter had basically said, Lord, these guys might love you, but I love you more than they love you. Look again at 2115. Look at this with me. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, notice this, do you love me more than these? What does that mean? What does the text mean there when he says, do you love me more than these? More than these what? It's a little bit ambiguous. Simon, do you love me more than your... Fishing occupation, that's one option. That's one option. Do you love me more than your industry, than your fishing occupation? But probably, most likely, I believe what he means is Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? It's painful. Oh, it's good. We don't want to be pained, but the Lord loves his people, and the Lord will even pain his people for their good you need to follow the Lord Jesus Christ regardless of what it means to you you need to commit by grace to follow the crucified and risen Messiah and he will deal with his people he will restore his fallen ones he will restore them threefold he will do it in such a way that matches the grievous sin that we have committed he did it with Peter he restored Peter in precisely the same way and greater the way that Peter had sinned. Simon, do you love me more than these love me? Because earlier you said you did, and earlier you were trusting in yourself, and you thought my kingdom was a political kingdom, and when it all came seemingly crashing down, failed miserably. Three times. Three times he commissions him. It's been said before that the church is not to be a place to entertain goats. We see clearly here that Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, wants his sheep fed the Word of God. The risen Lord Jesus wants his sheep fed the Word of God. And can I say to you, if you're a believer here this morning, that the risen Lord Jesus gives a commission to every believer? The risen Lord Jesus gives a commission to every believer. He commissions Peter three times, feed my sheep, tend my lambs. He commissions all of us. He calls all of us to serve. There is no such thing as a Christian who has been captured by the love of Christ who does not serve. But that's not the first thing. The first thing is this, do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? 1 Corinthians 16 actually says, cursed be those who do not love the Lord Jesus. Wow, it's really as simple as that. It's really as simple as that. Please don't make it complicated this morning. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Oh, I want you to serve me. Oh, I've got a commission for you. I have a commission for you. But you will never serve me in any appropriate way unless this is first. Do you love the risen Lord Jesus? Truly, truly, verse 18, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. You heard people say, and now I'm starting to say it, don't get old. Older people say that to me, and I'm saying, it. don't get old. Peter, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, verse 18. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. He didn't say, Peter, you're going to be crucified upside down. Maybe that happened. He did seem to say clearly, you're going to be crucified. And later on, you keep reading, you keep reading, and Peter says, well, what about John? What about John? What's it to you, Peter? You follow me. You follow me. And by grace, let's follow the risen Lord Jesus Christ. His love for us is everything that matters. And he creates in us Has he created in you passing love for him? Oh, no, I'll serve you. I'll die for you. Not because I any, any longer have any confidence in myself. I no longer, Lord. Lord, I no longer have any confidence in my flesh. Not what my hands have done. Not what my hands have done, but what you have done. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to respond to what John intended in his book when he says, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Help us to have life in his name through believing even in in you, in the only Son of God. We thank you for Good Friday. We thank you that we could meditate on the death of Christ. And we thank you for the victory of Christ in Easter. Grant that we would serve you with joy and grant that the root of everything would be love. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.